Hello, good evening. My name is Richard. Welcome to Transfer Deadline Day, the last hour live. We are still waiting for um, a signing at Arsenal, actually. We're still waiting for one. We've been waiting for 31 days since the window opened and we're still waiting now. Are we going to get a madness in the last hour? Let's find out. So welcome to over and over and over again. My name is Richard. We are going to be doing the last hour of the transfer window live here. Let's see what we can bring in. Jamie's in the chat radio. Really. very disappointed. Yeah, I have to say I'm actually really disappointed uh, with the news about Bamiang going to Barcelona. Yes, I know he wasn't playing and he fell out with the manager. He hadn't shown the right attitude, all this kind of stuff. We, we know that. But ultimately, um, I thought... Um, he had a good career for Arsenal overall, didn't he? Something wasn't quite right and maybe would have been better trying to work that, work that out, especially now we've got no strikers at all. It seems absolutely crazy um, what's been going on. Um, and now we're left with, at the moment, just with Lacazette and Nketiah as our only uh, senior strikers going into these last 17 games of the season. So, um, yeah, very disappointing. Of course, Aaron Ramsey as well. In case um, you hadn't heard, he's joined Rangers on loan from Juventus. Of course, former Arsenal player. Scored two FA Cup final winning goals for the club. Um, he's gone to join Rangers in the Scottish Premier League. He may well be making his debut, actually, uh, on Wednesday. But another ex-Arsenal player getting a move. Um, and we still haven't bought anybody. Um, Deli Ali's gone to Everton, if you missed that one earlier as well. Um, and um, Usmane Dembele, who, of course, many people felt that was going to maybe come to Arsenal in replace of Aubameyang, he's going to be staying at Barcelona now. So we haven't even got him either. So um, I'm not sure what's going on at the club, if I'm totally honest. We've bought a couple of young American kids, um, some defender today um, from Colorado Rapids, and we know what the history is with Colorado Rapids, don't we? So, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, strange, strange times at Arsenal at the minute. I'm pretty sure we're, it's now becoming clear, isn't it, what the process is um, and it isn't to make us competitive again, is it isn't to make us compete for the top level. Um, and James says, yeah, we haven't even signed that goalkeeper from America even. No, I don't think we have. We have signed that defender, haven't we? Um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, I'm sure it will come to me um, soon enough. But yeah, um, someone that no one's ever heard of. And... Yeah, ridiculous. Um, Shane's in the chat. Doing Shane, he says um, it's hard being a Gunners fan. It is at the moment. It's disheartening, isn't it? You know, and I know the transfer window shouldn't always necessarily be about you know buying buying players all the time and stuff like that. But ultimately, um, in the position that we're in in the league, I felt this this season in particular. You know, we've got ourselves maybe by luck rather than rather than judgment, we've got ourselves into a position to challenge in for the top four in the rest of the season. You know, we, we're on the on the brink, you know, with the points that we've got. And this was the opportunity for me to bring in two or three players that we really needed, a little bit of experience, just to help the young team along and push us into that top four and then really go all out in the summer with the extra money, with the Champions League football to really go and, and complete this rebuilding job. But I don't think it's ever been about rebuilding. I really don't think it has. Um, I'm not really sure 
what's going on, but it certainly doesn't seem to be about making Arsenal competitive again. Um, Phil's in the chat and Phil, he says Arsenal clearance, so it is. I mean, who gives away a striker that won the Golden Boot, what, two years ago for free? Um, I mean, you know, we paid 56 million for him three years ago. He, he won the Golden Boot in, in 2019. He was one goal away from winning it again in 2020. He scored two goals to win us the FA Cup in 2020. We're giving him away for free less than two years later, 18 months later. Absolutely madness. Absolutely madness. Um, Pablo's in the chat now. I'm so angry. Banter club at it again. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We just can't argue with, with that at all. We are we're becoming a banter club. Um, James, Jamie again says um, we should have activated um, Isak's release clause sooner rather than try and get a better deal. Yeah, it was he the right answer? Who knows? But <coughs> we need somebody. Um, and Pablo says uh, January sales at AFC. Yeah, that seems to be what it is. I mean, I, I still cannot get my head around giving a Barryang away for free. It just makes no sense. And we've got no real senior strikers at the club. Absolutely crazy. Um, anyway, Shane says there, um, this uh, this year we could have got into top four. Yeah, we could have done. I, I believe we could have done. Next season, United will be back. Newcastle will buy everything. Exactly. Um, you know, Tottenham are making some moves, aren't they, in the transfer market as well. So they're going to be improving. Um, it's looking... It's looking grim at this moment in time, isn't it? You know, have the club got no money? Is that the problem? Is that why we've had to get rid of all these players, clear the wage bill? Um, is that is that what's happening? Is that where we are? Is that where we are now as a club? Is that what we've got to look forward to now? Um, you know, saving money here, there and everywhere, buying cheap young players. I don't know. This is probably the result of a lot of years of poor management of the club, poor transfer decisions, poor contract decisions. And this is maybe we're paying for that now. You know, there doesn't seem to be anything going on at Arsenal at all um, in these on this last transfer day on the um, transfer window. Um, yeah, Neil's in a technically really bad show from the club. Do you want to come on, Neil? I can, I'll send you the link if you want. Um, I'll just copy it to, to Twitter for you. And you can come on if you want and we can have a little chat about, about it. Um, I'll just send that now. Yeah, it's um, it's just terrible at the minute. I've just, I really don't know. Um, I don't know what to make of it all. It's so frustrating because we know how close we are mathematically to that top four, and how much a couple of decent, or not even decent signs, the right signings in the right positions could have made a massive difference to to getting us over the line and and get, or certainly getting us to compete for that top four between now and the end of the season. And if, if the board and if, if Arteta and if Edu think this current squad now that we've got with the lack of numbers and the lack of quality backup that we've got is going to be enough to, to achieve anything for this club, then they're just deluded. I'm not even sure if they do. I don't even think that they believe that themselves. Um, Shane says there, uh, we must be the only fans who talk about wages. So I know who cares about wages. It's not our money, is it? I just don't, I don't care how much players are on. What I care about is what how competitive we are on the pitch and where the club are going um, forward. And we're clearly not going forward, are we? Absolutely stupid. Just had news coming in now. Dembele is staying at Barcelona, so we're not even getting him. So we've, we got, we sent a player over to Barcelona, and we're not even getting one back. What, who's negotiating these deals? Who's doing this? It's ridiculous. You know, Edu should be fired on the spot. If, if this transfer window finishes like this, I don't want to see Edu in that job tomorrow. I don't even want to see Arteta in the job tomorrow. But I guess some of these things are out of his hands. He's just a manager of the team, isn't he, at the end of the day? But... He's created a lot of these problems as well. You have to say it is. It's definitely on, on his on his uh, on his neck as well. And joining us now, we have got Neil. How you doing, mate? You're right. 
Hey, thanks for having me on. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you? Fine, yeah. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Rich. It's been a long time. You've always been trying to get me onto your podcast. Yeah. So. I know, uh, I know. Ironic that it has to be transfer deadline when nothing's actually happened. <laughs> well, it hasn't. I don't think it's going to, if we're totally honest. Let's look. Let's be honest. It doesn't look like too much is happening. But no. you never know. Sometimes in the last hour, you get some crazy stuff. And we've got to keep our, uh, you know, keep hoping, haven't we? Because, I mean, what have you made of all this at the minute? All the players we've got rid of, no one coming in. The squad's Fred Bear. We've got no strikers. What What's going on? I don't know, Rich. I was going to say on the chat, um, it feels ever since um, Arteta took over, we've had some great moments. We've had some moments where we think that, you know, we're making progress. This trusted process thing is actually something to believe in. Um, like like with our form as well, we, we go through a bad run and all of a sudden he picks the team up and we have this amazing run of games. Mm -hmm. And we think, right, now actually things are starting to happen. The team starts playing the way we want them to. And we start enjoying football again. And then all of a sudden... Um, it dies a death like it did after that City game. I think the City game, I still personally think we were robbed. Um, mm. But after that, you know, scoring one goal in the whole of January is, is atrocious, atrocious and, you know, being dumped out of two cups. And I've got the transfer window kind of similar to that. It's like there was all this hope. We've done well by clearing a lot of deadwood. We've had so much deadwood for so many years. And we managed to get rid of that. And it, it kind of, you know, it, 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 it um, frees up the wage, the wage bill, if you like to try and put less stress on the wage bill and those costs. And it basically allows um, the freedom for, for possibly more players to come in and new players to come in. Um, and the other thing is, I mean, you know, if we, you, you think that we've done that. So the hard work in theory has been done because some of these players have been hanging around for too long, in my opinion, Richard. And yeah, we've just no, been, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it literally has been ridiculous. Our squad's been full of players and we're not even utilising any of them. And just, it's just a waste. It's not just bad for the club, it's bad for the individuals as well. Mm. You know, you want them to go on mm. and maybe have a career somewhere else where they might flourish. And um, no, so I thought it was looking good on one hand, and then all of a sudden, nothing's happened in terms of the, the purchases. We've bought um, an American centre-back, I think, and a goalkeeper, which are not even going to start until the <laughs> no. summer if they do start. And it's like, yeah. well, well, what is the point of that? It's almost that time when we bought that guy, what was his name? I know he scored the penalty in the... Uh, FA Cup semi-final. Is it Kim? Kim Cal Cal his name? Kim yeah, Cal and he came, he came with a bad back when we needed players. Yeah, like, I know, yeah. What's no, going on? We, we, we've made a we've made a history of this kind of transfer yeah. mess ups, haven't we? And I don't think it's just now. I, I actually personally think this this is the result of mismanagement over a number of years before, and the club have got themselves in a financial mess. I think COVID hasn't helped the situation. You know, there was no fans in the stadium for all that time, mm. and I think they had a club in a mess financially. We spent money last summer, um, a lot of money, actually. And you thought, well, is this the way forward for the club? But actually, maybe the fact of the matter seems we actually don't have any money. We've had to clear the wage bill just to, you know, balance the books, possibly even. And I don't know, the whole thing is just, it's worrying, actually. It's, it's worrying for a club like Arsenal to not even be interested in competing, it seems. Because if we're interested, if we're serious about competing, we would have been bringing in a couple of players, even if it was loans or whatever, we would be improving this squad. In the position that we're in in the league, we're in the top six, we're a few points off the top four, we've got games in hand on a few of the teams, and this is a club with ambition would have done that, wouldn't they? They would have brought in two experienced players who could just give help the, little, help the kids along, improve the squad, get a goal scorer in, you know, and you'd start to think, OK, yeah, this club's got a plan. We've got a plan, we've got young players, we look like we're heading in the right direction. But now it just seems to me as though the plan all along wasn't to compete. The plan all along was oh, to clear God. the wage bill, get young players in on smaller contracts, good sell-on value. And 
I think that's the plan. And I, I honestly do. I've, I've lost all hope that Arsenal are going to be competitive again for the next five, ten years, maybe even longer. So what, so, what, so what have we become, Richard? Have we become like an IX club where we're just going to breed, breed talent and then sell them on? Because that's what it oh, looks yeah. like to me. It does look um, like that. Yeah. And, exactly. and look, we've got we've got plethora of talent coming through. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I love the fact that we're playing our kids and artists utilise them. You know, we've seen Patino score, come on and score a goal on his debut. You know, we've seen all of that good stuff. But but end of the day, what a chance this season was for us to at least make some headway in the league. And all right, I'm not saying we haven't yet. It's still not over. We're only halfway through, and we are in touching ground of top four. But the point is, we have no we had no European uh, distraction. We've actually not that we wanted to, but we're out of two cups now, or both the domestic cups. Mm. So we've only got the league to concentrate on. And this was a great opportunity in my mind. Yeah. That you know, let's reinforce the squad, as you just said there, with a couple of with, with certainly a striker and a and a midfielder. I think there are two mm. gaping positions, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if yeah. we'd done that, and we needed someone, and not someone unknown, I'm, I'm you know I'm sick and tired of getting these players that oh they're going to come good in the future. We we always seem to be a club that's in transition. You know, I was I was, I was listening to Pod Pod the other day, and and you know to be fair to people, I understand what they're saying and, and where they're coming from. That oh you know we're still in transition and they're, they're, they're all of that kind of stuff, but. Mm. We've been in transition since Theo Walcott. He's claiming his pension now. I mean, come on. I mean, when it, when are yeah. we going to get to a stage where we're actually now, we're doing it for the here and now. We can't afford this transition anymore, Richard. We've got to move on. We've got to move on fast because we've been falling further and further behind the Man Cities, the Liverpools and Chelsea's of this world. And the gap keeps getting bigger and bigger. We're just, mm. we're just losing control and grip. And mm. I think this season we had we had a really good chance, if not to eclipse those three teams, but at least to be just behind them. And again, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. We've still got a chance, but it's looking harder now because who we got up front, Lacazette and Eddie Nketiah, and both of them are leaving in theory in the summer. So are they really going to go out their way for us in the last six months of their contract or tenure with Arsenal? Probably not. I don't. Maybe Lacazette will. Don't think Eddie Nketiah will. And then, you know, we've already loaned Balogun out. All right, we can recall him, but he's not ready. So Martinelli is probably our lifesaver. Um, and I, that's too much to put on his, his young shoulders, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I'm absolutely I'm distraught, but at the same time, not surprised. I am not surprised either. No, and I think that's, that's one of the problems, isn't it? I don't think any of us are really surprised. That's the thing. You know, the destruction of this club has been going on for a long, long time. And, you know, as, as much as I don't... As much as I've been a big critic of Mikel Arteta, his style of management, his tactical inability to change games and his man management, all this kind of stuff, right? He's not really the problem. He's a problem. He's not the problem. And he's just a small part of what's wrong with this with this club. It's been it's a lot deeper than the manager. And uh, we can clearly see now with this current transfer situation that we're in, the the plan for the club, if you like, the process, if you like, isn't about making us successful on the pitch. It isn't because we, we've we got or we had a, a real opportunity at this moment in time to, to to push forward, you know, on building on the first half of the season, which has been a bit hit and miss in, in a lot of ways. But ultimately, we've, we've put ourselves in a half-decent position. Surprisingly enough, I wasn't expecting this, if I'm honest, but we are. We're there. We're in the, we're in the top six. We're not far off the top four. We've got games in hand on certain teams. And we put ourselves in such a strong position and we're not capitalising on that. And if we are, you, like you said, we've got two two senior strikers, Lacazette and Nketiah, both of whom are out of contract in the summer, um, both of whom will probably not be in next season. And 
you know, we know already Nketiah is not good enough to score regularly in the Premier League. He's all right in the in the League Cup against lower teams. He'll get goals. He got a hat trick against Sunderland. Brilliant. And um, but he's not going to regularly score in the Premier League. We've got 17 games in the Premier League. Even if he started every single game, played 90 minutes of every single game, I doubt he'll score one or three or four goals. I agree. I and, you know, that's not enough, is it? We're not scoring enough goals as it is. <laughs> Lacazette, rule is hard work, and you, you can't criticise him for that. He's not scoring enough goals. He, he, he sits no. too deep. He doesn't get into the right position to score goals. He's not going to score more than five or six, seven at the most if he played every game. And where are the goals coming from? Like you said, Martinelli's our saviour, and he's only scored four goals this season, and two of them come in one, one half against Leeds. Correct. So, um, you know, Saka scores some. Smith-Rose, our top scorer, with nine He's not been in the team much lately either. He's, his goals have dried up a little bit. And it, it, it's a mess. It is an absolute mess. It is a think, mess. Yeah. I think we were all hoping, wasn't we, that this transfer window was going to be um, was going to be something different maybe. And we were going to do something. You know, we needed to do something. Uh, James said there, well, there is a transfer. Neil's done a transfer from purely Arsenal to, to this channel. Yeah, he's popped over. It's, 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 it's just a he just had to, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's just a loan James for the night, that's all. Um, Shane says there, um, Edu with his silly photos leads up the garden path. He says, hi, Neil. Um, hi, Shane. Um, uh, Paolo says, uh, I don't mind the cuts, but we made zero money out of it. Yeah, exactly. We haven't we haven't got any money in, have we? We got rid of Chambers virtually nothing. We got rid of a Bami angle free. Terry says, evening, Richard, and the chat not looking good, is it? No, it isn't. In the summer, ESR and Saka are being sold next, and I wouldn't blame them. Um, one bit if they push. Which, I mean, I was saying this earlier that if we don't build a team that can compete in the next two years, they're going to go because they're going to have yeah. Liverpool's already sniffing around them. Man City are going to be sniffing around them. Man United will be sniffing around them. Everyone will be sniffing. Barcelona, Real Madrid, Munich will be sniffing cool. around them. And we need to show them that we've got the ambition that they've got. And I wouldn't blame them for leaving either. I actually. wouldn't either. You know, as much I mean, as we, we love, we, we love sorry, them, don't we? But no. we know Klopp's already, Klopp was interested in Martinelli about a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. already made that comment after the game when we they dumped yeah. us out of the cup. Oh, you know, that he's was, one to watch. Why is he saying, was, wait, send that Klopp? We know what you're after, mate. Yeah, exactly. That was that was, that was was good timing for him, wasn't it? Because he can see how much of a mess mm. we are. He can see what a good player he is. Let's unsettle him. And let's, you know, and I won't be surprised if that happens. Uh, I mean, Mark says there, uh, we're two points off Champions League spot. Yeah, technically we are. Surely the train of thought by the management must have been, let's make a push to reach that target. But events seem to be saying But exactly, this is the point. We had an opportunity to really push on and we haven't done it. Um, Jamie says there, uh, Gabby up front over Lacquer, then Emil Martin and Saka behind. Yeah, I mean, technically that wouldn't be a bad forward line. I'm just not sure whether, whether Gabby's quite ready to play as a centre forward yet, is he? I don't know. I mean, he seems good from the left-hand side. And that's obviously, that was where Aubameyang was playing. A lot wasn't he from that left hand side, and he was coming in and getting goals. And Abame and uh, sorry, Martinelli isn't been getting the goals he should be getting. He, he did at the beginning when he first came. He played centre forward a few games, didn't he? He got a few goals. But... He was brilliant when he first started with Tierney, wasn't he? They linked yeah. up really well together yeah, on that left hand side. But they did. I don't know, we need to not... find a way of getting more goals out of Martinelli. Now we're going to have to because if if he's I mean, not. Starting... I... I'll, I'll be honest, Rich. I've always thought he would be all right in the middle, but I, I mean, you know, there's debate. There's, you know, there's pros and cons either way. Is, is he ready? Is he physically ready? Is he going to be strong and not just physically, but mentally as well to do that job? But I, is he I, disciplined? I is, is he disciplined enough positionally? Mm. Because what I like about Martinelli is the fact that he works so hard for the team. He'll do his defensive duties. He'll be he'll be here, there, and every yeah. wants the ball. Yeah. Wants the ball. He wants to make things happen. And if you play a centre forward role, I think you've got to be disciplined in where in where you are. You've got to hold your line. You've got to be able to hold the ball up, bring others into sure. play. That's the sort of centre forward that we need. And I don't think he's that player. 
And okay. I don't know whether playing up front would uh, would get the best out of him. I'm not sure if it would at this moment mm. in time, just because I think you'd be taking away a lot of the great stuff that he brings to the team, his infusion, his energy, his work rate. And I think that with a centre forward, we need at the moment, I think a centre forward is going to be in the box, who's going to stay in the box. And Ian Wright type centre forward, if you like, that's going to be in there to finish things off and not necessarily drop into midfield or, or cover at left back and do these other other jobs that he does and he, he's he's great at doing and he loves doing them. Let him let him do that because that's what he's good at and he brings a lot to the team. But if we had to stick him up front on his own, which is where he would be, would that really suit him and get the best out of him with mm. the current setup of the team, with the current tactics, the way that Arteta wants to play? I'm not sure if it would. And you don't want to kill at an age now when he's just starting to really push on and develop, isn't he? The last two months when he's been in the team, I think he's really starting to push on. Is he yeah, holding back, playing him as a centre forward now? I'm, I think it might. Mm, That's a worry uh, for me. It is. No, I, th I think you made good points there. I, I mean, I've, I've never really kind of considered like that. I've just seen him sometimes when he's played in the middle, just by either moving into that position or I remember his first couple of friendly games, he was motoring from mm. the midfield yeah. and forward and he was so quick and so strong. And I just thought, wow, this could be the centre forward for the future. I mean, you've got to remember, Henri started on the wing and, and he didn't want to play in the middle. Mm. And Wenger says, no, you can do it. And look what happened. The rest is history, isn't it? So I'm not saying it, it can't happen, but maybe similar right, age, wasn't he? a bit too much. He, he was, was a similar he age was. When, he, when he made that switch, wasn't yes. he, Henri, actually? He but then again, he had a coach who, he had knew, a goal, how to, yeah. who knew how to get the best out of yeah. him, I suppose. And you got to yeah. look at that as well. But... Yeah, no, I mean that, that that's a fair point actually. I mean, I really did start. But you, you but now when you've the way you've just said that, I think you're right. I think maybe he's just not ready just yet. But then what does that mean? The picture you painted of who we need is Eddie Nketiah. And I mean Well no, it isn't because I, I yeah, I, I Eddie Nketiah is a very one trick pony. He's a decent finisher mm. and he gets in to the team. You know, I think we need a centre forward who can drop deep like Lacazette does, hold the ball up, but also be in the box and be a threat in the air. We put a lot of crosses in. We put hundreds of crosses against Burnley. Who was on the end of them? No one, because Burnley have got eight-foot defenders and we've got Lacazette. Yeah. And, uh, Why are we going aerial all the time in that game? I couldn't believe it. No, I was at the game and all I was seeing was just aerial, aerial plan. I think you're never going to yeah. win those balls against Burnley. Burnley it doesn't make no. any sense. But you see, oh. to me, this, this is an issue with Arteta. Arteta is very one-dimensional in his approach to games. And he's, he's, you know, you could say we're very organised and we're very well structured as a team. And I think we are. And I think Arteta has worked hard on that. But ultimately, it's very one dimensional. And when it's not working or when you need to adapt your style and your tactics to suit the game and the opponents, Arteta can't do that. I mean, I was looking, I worked out a few weeks ago, I was working out that I, I think under Arteta, we've only come from behind to win a game three times in two years. I mean, that just goes... To me, that goes to show a manager or a coach that isn't adaptable in game in the games. It can't make match winning, match changing changes, whether it's substitutions off the bench, whether it's tactically during the game. He doesn't seem to be able to do that. It's almost like we're playing this way and and he's drilling it into the players, drilling it into the players. This is the way that we play. And if you come away from that, if you stray away from that, I'm going to take you off. I'm going to drop you out of the team. And you can see it's happened with certain players. They haven't fitted into that structure. But you've got to be more adaptable, I think. If you're going to be successful now, maybe he's, he's learned under Pep, but maybe that's Pep's way. Pep seems very, very similar, doesn't he? But the difference mm. is Pep can go and buy the best players, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's different. He can just say, "Well, these players aren't working. I'll buy a load of other players who can play this system." And I think Arteta's almost got that mentality because he wants mm. to. He's got rid of so many players that haven't fitted in what he wants, 
and he's maybe trying to get players in who do, but obviously they're coming in in, in smaller numbers and we're getting rid of them. But I don't know. He's got to, for me, he's got to be more adaptable. And players like Martinelli, I don't think you can restrict him to a system. And players like Saka and Emil Smith Rowe, and even Martin Erdegaard to a certain degree, I don't think you can restrict them into a system. You've got to give them a little bit more freedom. And the one he game never had, does that, does he? The one game we had freedom, the Man City game, which you mentioned before, was when Arteta wasn't there. The players played with so much freedom in that That's first. Such half a good game. point. That's they were such so a good point. Free, and I've yeah. never. To me, that was a completely that that first half performance in particular. Forget the second half because so many other things happened, the red cards and all kinds of other stuff, the penalty and stuff. But that forty-five minutes against Manchester City to me was that is how I think all of us want Arsenal to play with Correct. freedom, and all the players were expressing themselves, and they wasn't Correct. frightened of not being in the right position. They wasn't frightened of what happens if I lose the ball. They were thinking it doesn't matter. I'm, we're going to play our football, and they were brilliant. That forty-five minutes, I could watch that forty-five minutes on a loop. Over and over again, constantly, because it was just fantastic. That's the sort of football that I want to see Arsenal playing. You know, almost like it was a throwback to the great days under Arsene Wenger, wasn't it? The sort of football. That I was, was just fun. about to say that. From what Absolutely. I've read about Arsene Wenger, he gave them that yeah. freedom. He did. He gave and, them that freedom. And it's like you know, it's almost when it's almost like what it reminds me of watching Arsenal. Sometimes it's you know that you got that table of football when they're on the things and you, yeah. you, they're all on the line. That's what it's like. Yeah. They're, they're so, yeah. so structured <laughs> like that, and it's like just let them out and. and Against that Man City game, they were let, they were let free. They were let off the loose. They were let off the leash, and they just went for it. And th- that was brilliant. And we against a team like Man City, who are the, the best team in the country, one of the best teams in Europe, and we ripped them to pieces for forty-five yeah, minutes. We did. We would probably have ripped them apart for ninety minutes if the referee hadn't decided to change Correct. sides at that time. Um, but that's the sort of football I want to see us playing. And you can see the players are capable of it. We don't have the strength in depth, obviously. We've got you know mm. we need to to build in the squad, but you could see. What this, these players are capable of, and then suddenly Arteta's back after that. We haven't scored a goal since then because that is, the you know what? I never even thought of it like that. You're absolutely right. I completely forgot that he wasn't on the touchline for that game. And I think you're that, that he is stifling their creativity, that he's not allowing them to be spontaneous. If there's a change in something that happens that maybe they haven't anticipated, he's not giving them the freedom to make that choice. And they're not stupid, you know. End of the day, if anyone, if any player plays for a big club, um. You've got to be good, Rich. You've got to be, you know, I've, I've seen friends with kids and they've got really fantastic young footballers and they can't get anywhere near, not even the championship d- d- academies because they're such a high level. It's ridiculous. And I know the Arsenal Academy is at an extremely high level. So the players that are there, especially the ones coming through the academy, they've got the talent. They're great. But you're mm-hmm. right. If the manager is saying, no, you're playing like this and you're not deviating from that, that's it. And... He, it is. I've noticed. I mean, it's been mentioned by so many people that when the players are playing and they might think they might have done something wrong, they're looking at the bench, uh, the touchline yeah. to see if they're going to get scolded for it. I mean, how can you play like that? How can you play with your hands shackled? I mean, I know you don't play with your hands, but you know what I mean. It's like yeah, you're, yeah. Pl- you're you're playing without that. You're something you should have played. You're allowed to play with right. Just use one half of your brain, and that's it. Hmm. You're not allowed to I adapt mean, or it, anything. Yeah. I- it's just I don't know. It, it's it's frustrating watching us play most of the time, and it's not enjoyable. A lot mm. of the games are not enjoyable. I mean, the game against Burnley. An example of that was in the in the last few minutes of the game. Um, we on a couple of occasions we, we were kind of almost caught out on a counter attack. We were maybe not so much over committing, but we were put, pushing people forward trying to get the goal. We lost the ball, and Burnley had a couple of counter attacks, which you know they didn't make anything of. They, they could have done. And Arteta on the side of him was running up and down the touchline, shouting and screaming, waving his arms about. 
right? People get over there, get over there. I'm like, hang on a minute. We're trying to win the game here. We're at home to Burnley. And you're more worried about not conceding a goal, which, yeah, we don't want to lose the game. Of course we don't. But ultimately, yeah. if you don't take risks, you're not going to win enough games. And Correct. I feel that over the last two years, we haven't taken enough risks in enough games. And that's why we've been in the positions that we're in. We've thrown away so many games that we should have won by just, you know, not not taking those risks. And, and sometimes you've got, I mean, you know, yes, if we'd conceded a goal against Burnley in the last couple of minutes and lost that game 1-0, everybody would have been up in arms about it. Lost to Burnley at home again, this and the other. But to me, if, you, if you've seen the team in the last five minutes of a game going for it, throwing everything at it, yeah. Unlucky not to score, and then we can see the goal at the end. You can think, well, okay, yeah, you'll be annoyed for a little while, but in, in but the you end, tried. See, at least we were going for it. You come away from that game thinking, in the last five minutes, we didn't even have a shot, a shot at goal, and we're no. drawing them home to Burnley. And this is a regular no. thing. I remember last season we lost at home to Leicester. We were one nil down. We didn't even have an attack in the last ten minutes. We didn't no. even put the ball in their box in the last ten minutes. And this has happened time and time again. And I don't, you know, losing games isn't necessarily the be all and end all if you're way showing you time that you're trying to win i would rather try to win lose games trying to win them than just draw games by not trying to win them and just just draw and draw, yeah, and draw. I, agree with I, you. I just it's it's so frustrating because i don't know I, maybe that's maybe that's 20 years of arsene wenger i don't know you know we used to do the same under George no, but, no 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 which is not george as well don't you, you remember george yeah, I, do. I do remember and george a lot of the time we just stifled the life out of teams we knew we could we rely did. on our defense for a clean sheet right you'd get us a goal we'd win one nil everyone's happy but we used to win them games one nil. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't draw nil nil all the time. We didn't lose too many games. We when we were. And we competing. did have flair players. We did have yeah. Rocastle. We had Limpar. We had we had But but end of the day, you're right. We still won the game. We still achieved. Got the result that we wanted at the end of the day. And we might have been called boring, boring Arsenal. But at the end of the day, we got the results and. I, I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I've, I've been thinking about this. I mean, there's expectations of this season. How do you, I mean, I, I'm not sure you're the one who's posting, so I apologise, but I just want to know what you feel about your position with Arteta because I, what would you, what would you, if he doesn't achieve even top six this season, do you think there have got to be question marks over him? Because he's had the money, as you said earlier, to spend, which he has, we did in the summer. Obviously, obviously this has been a disastrous window now and i know that january is notoriously is a harder window to get players in because people are halfway through the season do they really want to be moving at that time i get yeah. it but i think we should have planned it a lot better than we have that's that's for sure and i think you're right there could be a money issue and if there is a money issue does that mean should it not come from the club that look at the moment we're not in a position to buy rather than not saying nothing at all and just having get fans just left in limbo and i think that's wrong as well i think that's just bad PR from the club. It's just the whole thing stinks, Rich. It's not just the manager yeah. and what he does and what the, you know. It's just the whole thing stinks. It's rotten to me. Um, but in terms of expectations with Arteta, I mean, if he doesn't, for me, I was just thinking about this earlier. A few weeks ago, I was thinking, you know, top four is doable. I really believed it. I even thought we could even could even clinch third possibly. And that's just me being my usual optimistic self. But I thought it's not beyond the realms of of yeah. happening. And now, after this, I'm thinking, are we even going to even going to get top six? If we didn't get top six, what would you feel about Arteta? Would you think that he's? I mean, to be honest, my my thoughts on Arteta have been not really much different to what they were 18 months ago, maybe a year ago, when I didn't feel he was the right man to take us forward, and I still don't believe he is. Now, fair enough. Um, 
you know, last last season was a disaster from start to finish. We had one opportunity in the Europa League to make something of the season, and he completely bottled that semi-final. Tactically, it was a disaster, and we lost to, to Unai Emery, oddly enough. But yeah. um, regardless of who that was, made a difference. We bottled that semi-final. We just bottled another one, by the way, as well. That's two in a row. But yeah. for, for me, at the end of last season, I felt as though... We hadn't made any progress. We were eighth in the league again for second year in a row. And for the first time in 25 years, we were out of Europe completely. <clears throat> and to me, that was, that was a failure. Mm. Arteta failed last season. He failed. Now, OK, the club thought, right, we're going to keep him. They gave him a lot of money, more than any other club in the Premier League in the summer to spend. <coughs> Excuse me. And we bought these, a lot of young players. I personally would have maybe got a few less young players and one or two more experienced players in the mix as well. But anyway, they're the players he wanted. They're the players he got. And um, you could see, or you, you've been able to see a little bit this season, some certain improvements in certain areas of the pitch. We've been a bit more solid defensively. We've yeah. not scored as many goals as we'd like. You can see the young players are really developing. Saka, Smith, Rowe, Martin Ellie yeah. now coming through. And you can kind of see a few um, sort of uh, bits of light, if you like, coming through. But to me, yeah. I... For the, a lot of the reasons that I've explained already, I, I think Arteta isn't adaptable enough. He's not flexible enough. He's too restricting on the players. And that's going to stop us making genuine progress. Now, if we're not in the top six this season, and if we're not in Europe again, two seasons in a row, with the investment he had in the summer, to me, if he's still at the club next season on the back of that, it just goes to show the club's ambition is on the floor. I agree. And yeah, that's, that's what know, I thought. And, you know, I, I, what I don't like is I don't like all this stuff that you get on social media. Are you Arteta in? Are you Arteta out? Honestly, no. I'm not Arteta anything. I'm Arsenal in. And all I want exactly. to see is Arsenal doing well and competing. And if I feel that the current manager isn't doing that, which I feel as though that's been the case pretty much for the last 18 months or certainly the last yeah. year and a bit, then I want to see something different. And I, agree. I don't really care necessarily who the manager is. If they're doing well, they're winning games and we're competing and we're playing as well as we can possibly play, then that's, that's fine. Yeah. And if that's not happening on a regular basis, which it hasn't been, then get rid of them. I've got no... I know I play for Arsenal, but I've got no particular um, affinity with him. Affinity, yes. He's, he's doing a job. He's getting well paid to do. And to me, he's failing. He's failed in that job. Because for me as an Arsenal mm. fan, the expectations that I've got, and maybe that maybe that's built on the fact that for the last 35 years, which has been, you know, probably 75, 80% of my Arsenal supporting life, we've been competitive. We've won league titles, we've gone unbeaten, we've won FA Cups, we've won doubles, we've been in a Champions League final, we've done all these great yeah. things, these great things that we've seen, right? And maybe that's um made it more difficult now seeing the way that the club are at the moment. Now, I'm not. I'm not expecting us to 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 be in Champions League finals. I'm not expecting us to win league titles again at the moment with the current state of the club. But when you've seen that, that's what your expectations is of Arsenal. For me, that's what my expectation is. Now, if I could go back to when I first started watching Arsenal, 1981, we were nothing. We were going nowhere. We were muddling around like now. We had a lot of young players. We couldn't score goals. We were, you know, we finished fifth or seventh in the league, and it was fine. Nobody really cared. Well, I didn't mm. really care. I hadn't seen anything else. It was just, that's what it is. This is Arsenal. That's yeah. fine. I don't mind. And then suddenly we become good. We've got George Graham. George Graham. And suddenly I'm like, you know what? I quite like this. This is actually... <laughs> yeah, same as me. <laughs> and you want to keep feeling that, don't you? And you want to keep having the feeling that you can achieve that again. I mean, when I was a kid growing up in the late 70s, early 80s, 
but Liverpool were winning everything. European yeah, yeah. titles, everything, everything, every Liverpool. And I used to think, yeah. what how great must it be to be a Liverpool fan and see your club winning all those trophies? And I never ever thought I'd see Arsenal win anything in the, in them days because we just didn't look anywhere near that we would. And suddenly George Graham turned it around. Oh, we started, 1987 changed yeah, it all. 87, the first time against Liverpool, from, ironically. <laughs> exactly. And you know, those moments you suddenly get them and you're thinking, actually, this this is this is nice. We've got to experience what those Liverpool fans experience. And we've experienced it a lot since, you know, league titles, unbeaten seasons, you know what I mean? I yeah. say double, cup doubles, loads of European trophies, a lot, right? We've seen it all. And I think it's more difficult maybe for older fans like us who have experienced that to now be happy or accept this mediocrity that we've now got. Because yeah, to me, it takes me back to the early 80s. And maybe there's fans now that are just coming, just watching Arsenal, they're just growing up. And this is all that they know. And they maybe don't mind. Oh, well, you know, it's all right. It's Arsenal. Fantastic. We, we love Arsenal. But they haven't got no, they haven't experienced all those things that we've experienced. No. And you and you miss that. And you want to, and you want to experience it again. And I want them to experience it again. You know, these young fans, I want them to experience what the great things that we did. And it's a generational thing, isn't it? The whole, the yeah. whole point of supporting Arsenal, that's, it just goes from generation to generation, and exactly. you want to see it carry on in that yeah, same vein. It, I mean, I do. mean, what you're saying is absolutely spot on, and in, in and I think I think I, you know people say we've been spoiled, but really, is it being spoiled? I think we were just doing well because we had the right manager, we had the right guidance, we had the right players. Everything just David clicked. Dean as well. and, we have David Dean. And exactly, uh, David Dean's huge for me. I've always said that that was that was the beginning of the end when he left. Um, was, and I, I and I just feel that. You can't say that we've been spoiled because our ambition, well, we don't know now, now if hindsight looking back, but the whole point of moving from Highbury to this big, amazing, sophisticated stadium was to be at the Barcelonas, the Real Madrid's, the Liverpools and all that kind of level. And that was what was promised to us. I said, yeah, we're going to go through some hard years because we've got to pay off the stadium. And Wenger still managed continuously, despite that, get us into the top four consistently. And people mm. were laughing at us about, for that. And, mm. and you know, now it's become the holy grail all of a sudden that now yeah. Arsenal aren't doing it. Yeah. You know, yeah. obviously Tottenham yeah. might do it and Man United might do yeah. it. Now it's the yeah. holy blooming grail. But anyway, that's another discussion. But the point, point is we've got moved to this stadium because they said we couldn't compete with the 38,000 gates, gate, mm. you know, maximum gates, that mm. capacity that we had at Highbury. So we have mm. to move into this 60,000 mm. stadium. And actually, we were—we've still always been so much more successful at Highbury. Nothing really has happened at the Emirates. Yeah, we won those FA Cups, but you know, apart from that, what have we done? And it just feels—it feels like um, uh, it's strong to say we've been mugged off. I, I wouldn't say we've been mugged off, but we can't say that we were spoiled in those earlier years because we have moved on, in theory, to be able to get the finances in from the gate receipts to be able to, you know, support. Yeah. And, you know, push, push the pitch, push, push what's happening on the pitch, essentially. And, and I think about Arteta, I think, I think you're right. Um, initially, what I was thinking, is it because he's too young, he's inexperienced, and that's why he doesn't know how to do the plan A, plan B, or plan C and adapt? Or what you said, is it the too much influence of Pep? Oh, I can definitely emulate him. But as you said, you can't compare Arsenal and Man City. It's, yeah. it's, you're, you know, it's apples and pears at the end of the day, and he can't do it. And I'm worrying about like you, Rich. I'm worrying about the players of Saka, Emma Smith Rowe. They will go if we don't change and we don't show them something. We're going to lose these great players. We, and I, I want them to become le- I want them to become legends at the club, Rich. 
I mean, it worries me a little bit as well. Yeah, the, 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 obviously the massive prospects of them feeling that the club don't match their ambition for their career and that we're going to be holding them back at some stage. And that's a worry. But also it worries me a little bit that any player that starts to become, gets a big reputation in football, Arteta doesn't get along with. He just doesn't. Aubameyang, mm, mm. Ozil, any player that's got any personality, Guendouzi, there's been, he's got a history of this. And at the moment, Saka and Smith Rowe, they're very down-to-earth lads. They're not not—they're not too big for their boots. They're not superstars. They're just really good players. But it's going to get to a point where they, they're going to have to express their personalities more on the pitch, off the pitch. They're going to have to because they're going to have to become leaders as they as they yeah. grow. And Arteta isn't going to like that. He's very, very good, I think. And even at Man City, do you remember the documentary? Did you watch that? The Man City... I never Amazon. saw that. I need to watch that. I need to watch it, yes. There was obviously Arteta was in that quite a lot. And it seemed right. as though the impression that that gave me was that he was very good with the young players at Man City. He was very good with them. Now, I think maybe he left the more tricky personality, shall we say, to Pep to deal with and the other coaching staff to deal with. And he oh, was really I good see. with the young players. That was the impression I got. Maybe that was just the way it was edited. But no, that it kind of makes sense. Lot. It did come across quite quite clearly in that for me. And you could see that at Arsenal, that seems to be a similar way. He's, he seems to be, the young players seem to adore him. He seems very good with the young players. But young players get older. And yeah. that's going to be the key. Can he deal with that as they get older? I mean, Interesting. I, I haven't seen any, I mean, you look at the experienced players that we've had under Arteta, they've all gone. Apart from Xhaka's the mm. only one. And the reason why is because Xhaka is clever. Xhaka knows what he has to do to, you know, he's almost like, you know, he, he I think he sussed Arteta out pretty quickly, Xhaka has, and he knows exactly what he needs to do, you know. And he, I think he's done that with the previous manager as well. He did it with Wenger. He did it yeah. with Emery. Emery, he, yeah. He does it with his national team. He, he knows what's needed and he does what's needed to, to, be, to become popular with the manager, which is fine. I've got no problem with that. That's that's great mm. personality to be able to do that. Other players mm. aren't able to, to to get that balance that he's managed to do. So he's the only sort of more experienced player that uh, hasn't fallen out with with Arteta. He fell out with Emery a little bit, didn't he, with the armband yeah, situation? Yeah, of course he did. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he didn't really fall out with Wenger. He hasn't really fallen out with Arteta. He doesn't fall yeah. out with the players. He seems to be able to get on with people. And... That's maybe the difference. All the other experienced players that we've had, and even players that um, maybe a lot of Arsenal fans didn't feel were good enough, but players that had personality. I say Guendouzi, Bellerin, Socrates. You know, all these players that were a little bit uh, off the That's scale. A little yeah. bit, not, not boring and dull, but you look at the personalities in the Arsenal team now, the players that he's picked, Ben White, boring character, let's be honest. He's boring, isn't he? <laughs> you wouldn't want to go out for a beer with Ben White, would you? Let's be totally honest. You wouldn't, you know. And as much as he's a, he's a decent player, he, he hasn't got a personality. Has he? You know, you look at Martin Erdegaard, the same, you know, fantastic player, nice, nice guy, not really any personality. And you look through the whole team. And he even... Ramsdale's an exception, I guess, though. Yeah, Ramsdale. He plays in goal, so he's out of the way, yeah. isn't he? He's not going to be disrupting right? things on the pitch. Just leave him in goal and he's fine. But no, he's the only one that's got a personality. Let's be honest, the rest of them. You know, Gabriel, he, he, he seems like a nice guy again. Too many nice guys, maybe. Thomas Partey mm. is too nice, I think. A little bit too nice, maybe, for the Premier League. He needs to toughen himself up that a little bit. That surprises me. When we got him, I thought yeah. he was going to be our answer. I thought he's going to really rough and, and really give the opposition a lot of, lot of problems. And to be honest, it's almost no. like a... It's just a little bit of a toughened pussycat, isn't it? Too nice. The only player we've got on the pitch that isn't nice is Xhaka. 
and he gets so much criticism yeah, for that true, because he's the one that he won't pull out of a tackle. He won't. He doesn't care that the consequences might be for him personally. He will do what he thinks is the right thing for the team. He'll put himself in sometimes positions he shouldn't be in because he's trying to help the team, and he'll, he'll go that extra little bit. And he's the only one that will even after time put a tackle in. If you watch the way that we play, we don't tackle, do we? Not really. Tommy Asu, you know, he, he's all right. Of a tackle, I do like maybe. him. I but do he, like him. He's, he's still a very, he's still very nice, isn't he? You know, he's, mm. he's Japanese. Of course, he's going to be nice. They're, 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 <laughs> isn't it? they're just nice people. So he's not going to have that nasty streak, is he, Tommy Asu? He doesn't. None, none of our players do. And the mm. players that we've maybe haven't got rid of were the players that, maybe add a little bit more of that and we've got rid of all of them and what's left what's left is a team of very nice guys you know that can play football are not allowed to play football after time because they're restricted but they can play football they're nice guys they, they are very yes men they'll probably do exactly what they're told and they're not going to be late for training and they're going to wear their suits when they've got to wear they'll wear their tractors when they've got to wear them and they'll turn up on time and they'll you know and they'll park in the right parking spaces in the car park. All this time, <laughs> it's right? not looking good, Rich. <laughs> but this is this is the player. You look at them players. You can just see what they're like. You know, they they, they probably they probably got like Monday to Friday underpants that they wear every day. That's what they're like. They're, they're that sort of players. But that's what Arteta wants because that's the way he wants the team to play. He wants them to be that methodical in everything that they yeah, do. It is. And, the, and it's very controlling, isn't he? Very yeah. And, and he's got the players that he can control that want to be controlled by him. You can you can clearly mm. see that. You know, and that's why these young players love him. You can see that they do. There's actually no doubt about it. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They really do love him. And that's and that's great to see. But unfortunately, there isn't enough to take us forward and take us where we need to be. We all have we play. He should be the under-23s manager because I think he'd be perfect. You know, maybe maybe mm. Per Mertens is the one that we need as as the first team manager. Maybe that's the main team, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what Mertesack would be like in that position. I don't really know what his management style is like. The under-23s yeah. are doing quite well. But... Um, I would maybe that could be what Arteta is more suited to the young kids because that seems to be what he's yeah, that suits his personality and he can control those players a lot better, get them to play the way he wants to play. And I think that's better for him. I'm not really sure if he can handle these bigger personalities that we need, and we need these bigger personalities in the team. Think what a difference someone like um Gwen Doozy would make to our midfield at the moment. I'm not saying he's a great player, but. His, his attitude, the way he would stamp his authority on the games. He was man in a match about four or five games in a row. I know, I know. And you could see what he could bring. And obviously we, Arteta wasn't having none of it, and that was it, gone. We missed that cutthroatness, uh, Richard. We've not had it for years. I've been saying that we need no. meatheads in the team. We need that, no, you know, no, without being rude, no shits given kind of attitude. And we just haven't yeah. had that for so, so long. You know, Wenger had it initially when he came. He had a great balance. He had... Mm. tough men and then he had the flair as well with, within those tough men and it worked to treat he had a balance of he didn't bring them he didn't replace them no, did he? not initially no. no because he already had the defense anyway which he managed to rejuvenate i mean all credit to wenger because he added years on all of their careers to be fair yeah oh, he did, um yeah. but um but you know and then yeah and the invincible team he kind of it was more more like his team i guess when we got to the invincible stage but then he tried to be too, I think, a bit like what Arteta might be doing with Pep. You know, maybe trying to emulate Pep here in the Premier League. I think Wenger was trying to create a Barcelona in the Premier League. And he made all, all these players, which were very, yeah. very similar in mm -hmm. style. They're probably all very, very talented. Don't get me wrong. But they, there, was, there was no one really with strength and, and, the, and exactly the personality you just described. That nastiness that we used to have in 
Patrick Vieira. You know, Patrick Vieira against Keane is going to be legendary for years and years and years. We had, we had Adams. Adams was never scared. Keown, I mean, Keown, the epitome of it. You know, we missed all those kind of players. And but even later on, honestly, though, we had. But even later on, we had like Van Persie, for example. Yeah, he had that yeah. about him, didn't he? He did. He did. You know? he did. And um, there were other players as well. I mean, you know, some of the defenders that we had, I thought Thomas Vermaelen had a little bit of that about did. him, didn't he? When when he first came into the team before he got injured and scored about you know, 10 goals in his first 10 games. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was brilliant, wasn't he? And, <laughs> you know, unusually for a defender. But, yeah. you know, I think Arsene did get some of those players in and he wasn't scared of personalities I don't think because no, he, he, he had players with personality all the way through even towards the end you know he, yeah. he bought a Bamiyang for example he was manager at the time we bought a Bamiyang and you don't get True. a bigger personality True. than a Bamiyang do you let's be honest no, no. Um, Sanchez he bought, he bought Sanchez into the team Ozil of course, these players, of course these are players that Arteta wouldn't even dream of signing even no, if he was given no, the money no. to buy them if he was given 500 million pounds by four world-class players he wouldn't buy players like that he would end up buying 25 kids that he can mould, rather than <laughs> rather than a, a, a yeah. you know rather than I a, think you're right. A, an right. Mbappe or a, if he was manager of Newcastle now, Newcastle fans would be pulling their hair out. The sort of players that he would be looking at buying because he wouldn't mm. he wouldn't be looking to to go. I mean, I know Newcastle buying a few strange players. Chris Wood, they bought Dan Burn from Brighton. Actually, I think he's not a bad player actually. To be fair, and they're buying mm. players to get him out of relegation. I guess at the moment, but you know, yeah, yeah, of course, you, you can imagine if Arteta had all this money to spend. If he was if he wasn't Man City. He wouldn't be buying. I mean, Man City don't really do. When you think of some of the players that, that Pep's bought, he hasn't actually bought these superstar players, has he? A lot of times, you know, no. he's bought very, very good players that do the job he needs them to do, you know, and they become big stars. I mean, he got De Bruyne who had failed at Chelsea, for example, you know, and he's, he's, he's yeah. got more out of him. You know, Raheem Sterling, who was very hit. More out of him. He's got more out of him. You know, he's, he, he buys players like Laporte, for example, who was is an OK player, but he, he's not a big world superstar. And Pep doesn't really do that either. But Pep can get the best of the players that he needs for the positions that yes. he wants, the sort of players that he needs. And Arteta can't do that because we don't have the money to do it. And you can't tell me Pep would have bought Tommy Asu. Pep wouldn't have bought mm. Ben White. Well, he might have bought no. Ben White, actually, because you can see... Ben, ben White playing for Man City. He's a sort of defender that Pep likes, isn't he? That can bring the ball out of defence and can play football but can't tackle yeah. and can't, can't head the ball, you know, which mm. isn't really very useful in the Premier League unless you've got a goalkeeper behind him who does what Edison does and you've got the players in midfield who keep the ball and don't allow the other team to have it. And yeah, then that's they're not And that's, you know, but I, I don't know. I, I just feel as though Arteta's biggest problem is. Uh, the truth sets freeze in the chat. He, he says that point there. He says you have to be able to manage stars and their annoying egos. You do. If you're going to be successful, you're going to have players that have got egos because if you haven't got an ego as a top, you're not going to become a top player, are you? Um, Very good points, yeah. Because that's what makes you a top player, isn't it? You've got to have it that. Does. You've got to have that attitude, I think. And we don't have players who've got that attitude. None of our players walk out onto that pitch, I don't think, and they believe they're the best player in their position in the world no. or the we don't have a match winner we do not have someone that can come on and change no. a game we don't have we? that's why no. that's why we're struggling with all these goalless draws and you know dull you know patches of yeah. play because we don't we can't call on someone from the subs bench and we know that we'll turn a game in seconds we don't have it anymore we used to we don't have it now and that's no. that's the thing and, and i think and i think in a way what you said makes sense because even if you've got those annoying egos but if a manager can manage them correctly and get the mm. best out of them. Actually, the younger players or the other ones which haven't got such big goes, that might even help them in a weird way. I know yeah. it might be the right, wrong direction, 
but yeah. it might be the wrong direction to get the right result if that makes yeah. sense yeah and, no, I, and, I, and, I, yeah. and i think yeah. you're spot on i think that's a really good point so i i don't know what the answer is i i, I think what you said earlier about what happens if we don't make europe and maybe that's that you know they've got they've got to come up with something i mean i've always had an issue with our owners because ever since Cronky went on record and saying he doesn't care about trophies i mean that in itself that mission statement in itself rich is the damning verdict for the for the future of our club if he doesn't care about trophies then where does that leave us we're never going to compete mate no. are we and I think he is that he he or his establishment is the root of all the ills at Arsenal. Well, you've got it. you've got to think right. We our most successful, well, our success as a club started in the 1930s, right? Because we had a chairman in Henry Norris who would do anything it took to get Arsenal to be successful. He would, you know, he did some dodgy dealings behind the scenes. Let's be honest, and he didn't care. You know, he was banned from lots of places because he just didn't care. All he cared about was making Arsenal successful. He wanted to get him amalgamated with Fulham at one point when we was in Woolwich before we moved to Highbury. And he'd do anything, whatever it took. And then after that, you had the Hillwoods who basically ran the club. Yeah. And then after the Hillwoods, you had David Dean taking over. David Dean, who was a local businessman, he was an Arsenal fan, wanted Arsenal to be successful. He did everything to make them successful. And he was a driving force. 1983, he took over. Within four or five years, we win winning trophies because of his influence, right? And since he's gone, 2007, we mentioned it before, who have we got? And we've got owners of the club, people that don't give a shit. They don't care about Arsenal. They don't. They, they, don't, they, don't, they, don't. they see it as a cash cow, that's it. And they're not bothered. And until we have people in place at the club, owners who actually care about and wanting to make Arsenal successful, a brand of visit Chelsea, you don't give a shit. He'll make, he'll make Chelsea successful. That's what he wanted to do when he came there. Exactly. And, and done it. He doesn't care if he sacks 10 managers a season. He'll get what he no. wants. He'll win European trophies. He'll win European yeah. Cups. He'll win Premier Leagues. He doesn't care. He's ruthless. Yeah. And that's what that's what we're lacking. You know, Manchester City's owner, you know, they they went out there. They've set a big plan in place for the, for the whole area, the, the, the club as a whole, the women's team, the men's team, the youths, everything, right? And they've gone out and got the best because they want success for the club on the pitch. And mm. Liverpool owners, people criticise them. They've done the same. They've put, they've put their efforts into making the team successful on the pitch because they know that that's where everything else comes from. It's a football club at the end of the day. You can run it as a business all you like, but ultimately, everybody who's interested in football cares about who wins the trophies, who's competing yeah. for the trophies. And if you're the one doing that, you're going to get more out of it. You're going to get more money in. You're going to get more publicity throughout the world. You're going to sell more merchandise. You're going but to that's be... what I don't make sense. That's what doesn't make no. sense to me, Richard. It never has about no. the Cronkies because, on one hand, they're obviously businessmen. They're businessmen first and foremost, and they always will be. So what's that about business? Business, I, for me, it's about, unless you're running a charity, it's about making mm. money. So making money, what you're doing, you're in a business which actually is a football club. To make more money from that football club, you have to get the success on the pitch, which, as you said, will drive everything else. If you're successful on the pitch, the youngsters coming into the world who are first seeing football for the first time and all of a sudden see Arsenal all up in lights winning the yeah. Premier League, who yeah. are they going to support? They'll probably most likely choose Arsenal, even if they live near Liverpool. Well, probably not in Liverpool's case, but you know what I mean. Uh, it, it, it is that it, 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 this is what it is. This the the, the the winning mentality, the success breeds success, and that success will also come in financials. And that's the bit I don't get. They don't want to invest in that. They don't want to back the club for that. They're not interested in trophies, but they just want this this business just sitting there in the background amongst all these other businesses, just ticking along and making money. And as long as it does that, and it, that's good enough for them. So in that case, if we've got those owners, if this if, if as long as they're here. Rich, I think it's doom and gloom for our club. I don't think we can ever 
move forward. We just can't because they're not going to pay out the, I know you said earlier that Arteta's any good money. And of course he's any good money, but some of the top managers, they're earning a lot, lot more than he is. And they're the ones that if you, what's that adage, you know, you pay, you, you get what you pay for essentially. And I think they're not willing to really break the bank and pay the top dollar, not just for the players, but for the manager as well. And if that's the case, I don't, I, it, it doesn't seem very bright to me. But anyway, have we bought anyone? Um, no. I've not been looking. Surprisingly <laughs> enough. We've got three minutes left in the transfer window. And hey, we've bought, we're going to do um, it. We've actually bought uh, a nobody. There you go. Oh, hey, there you go. Um, you know, the true set screen in chat there says, Kronk is celebrating his rounds getting to Super Bowl. Arsenal is like his fourth business. He bought major stars mid-season for rounds, but nothing for Arsenal. Exactly. And this is a this is a Tottenham fan saying that, not an, even an Arsenal fan. So there you go. Just goes to show there's a load of Arsenal fans that think the sun shines out of Arteta's arse. And yeah. whether it does or whether it doesn't, he's never going to be successful with his owners at this club. So it doesn't make a difference no, if he's there or not. Terry says there, why do we give Arteta so much? Uh, slack, uh, so much slack to underachieve. Yeah, the fan base does, and that annoys me because he, he is underachieving. It's not just his fault. He's, he's to blame for a lot of things, as we've said tonight. Uh, he says the young players he brought in look good, um, but after having them four or five weeks, he has turned them into absolute rubbish. Well, I don't know quite yet. If, if some of them haven't pushed on as we hope they might, they've stagnated a little bit. But again, is that down to the manager? Shane says there, seen Arteta play a false nine against Villarreal. Yeah, he did. Um, I can see him doing that again. Um, we are a few injuries and Jack a red card away from being our worst season ever. Non-negotiable. Yeah. I mean, it, it is actually. I mean, I the, the lowest I've seen us finish in the league since I've, I've been going to Arsenal 41 years nearly, right? The lowest we finished is 12. And that was in a 22 league season. That's basically mid-table, isn't it? 12 in 22, yeah. just below mid. That was in 1995. We did reach a European yes. final that season, so it kind of made up for it. I know we lost, but at least it was safe to fight for through the season. This is the first season since 1991 that we've been out of all the Cups in January. 30 wow. years ago. 1992, sorry. 30 years ago, the first time we've had nothing to play for other than trying to scramble something in the league since for 30 years. That's how bad this season is. Everyone's going, oh, well, it's not been a bad season. No, it has. It's been an absolute shitstorm of a season. We've had no Europe. We, we we blew a semi-final of the League Cup where a great first leg performance. and then Brilliant blew, first leg performance. Yeah. And then the FA Cup, we just bottled Nottingham Forest for some oh, other reason. Just dreadful performance. In one of only two competitions that we had a chance of winning. And the season's just been an absolute disaster. And the only way we can save it now is to finish in the top four, which is unlikely with a window, which is literally a minute away from shutting. And there is still no news um, of Arsenal buying anybody. There's a couple of late ones going through. Uh, Cantwell, Todd Cantwell has just joined Bournemouth on loan. So there you go. Not getting a game at Norwich. I'm surprised what's happened to him, actually, because he was a decent player, wasn't he? The first time they got in to the Premier League, Todd Cantwell looked decent, didn't he? And it's, didn't um, he? And it's, I don't know where it's going. It's all gone wrong. Maybe, maybe this will help him. Dan Burns gone to Newcastle, as we sort of knew that before. Not really much happened, actually, in the last in the last hour at all. Very, very um, poor, really. Mm. Deli Alli's gone to Everton. Fabio Cavallio's gone to, gone to Liverpool. And obviously, Aubameyang's mm. gone to Barcelona. They're, they're probably the big deals that's happened today. Yeah. Um, and Arsenal have done absolutely bugger Spurs all. Spurs got a couple in from Juventus, did they? Couple of players in from Juventus today earlier. Um, Was that right? Spurs. Yeah, they sure did. They yeah, did. yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And 
there's, there's no no sign of Peter Odenwingi. No, even he can <laughs> save us. Terry says, as Sky Sports just said, we bought Messi. That's uh, why he means Arsenal are in a mess. Uh, yeah, well, they definitely are in a mess. And Michael <laughs> says, yeah, as Neil said, Cronky's not here for trophies. No, they're not. His goal is profit and he has cut costs on and off the pitch. That's what he's done. Soon he yeah. will be will sold for big profit. As uh, don't, like. Michael. Don't. Yeah, no, I, I, unfortunately, I, I think you're right. I do, honestly. I no, think I'm saying wrong. don't. I know it will happen. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. Know, just, I, I think stomach, that's, isn't it? that's... I've been thinking that that sort of anyway for a while, but this... this Transformation for me is just showing it. We've got rid of all these wages to cut costs. We haven't brought anybody in. Clearly, that's yeah, what it's that's... about. It is about cutting costs. And if you do that at top level football, there's only one place that you go in, and that isn't higher up the league. You can guarantee that much. You know, no matter how good some of these young players are, it's just not going to happen, is it? You know, and, and I think um, there was, there was a comment. There was a comment in the chat before. Oh, there you go. Terry says there, perhaps that's why Arteta bought White for 50 million so we can sell him to Pep for 20 million in the summer. Well, there you go. <laughs> Probably that one, won't it? Do his old mate a favour. There you go. You can have him for 20 million now. Um, but I, the whole thing's a mess, isn't it? Let's be honest. Oh, Rich, you know, we, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to be kind of light-hearted about it maybe in a way. But yeah. ultimately, for me, it's a serious, it's a it serious is. matter because Arsenal are a big club. We're a big club throughout the world of football, right? And, um, when you're a big club, there's certain expectations on that club. And the expectation is to try to better yourself and improve. And every club goes through bad times when you have a, you know, Liverpool went through some bad times before Klopp came in. And every Man United since Fergie's gone have had a few bad times, you know. But ultimately, what you can see is, you can see those clubs, even Man United, they've had a few struggles, but... They're trying to improve the, the team, aren't they? They're, they're investing in the players. They're trying to. They got rid of a manager in the end who was underachieving, and they're trying to improve. We, we're not, and you know, we're not even stagnant. We seem to be dropping. No, we are. And, we're going and, and, and from that, and it's like you know, I mean, myself included. I'm, I'm, I'm I hold my hand up. I was actually, although I was so bitterly disappointed with the Man City uh, result. Because I really did believe we were robbed. I think we should have won that game, not yeah, because of what we did, it's because of what the officiating did. And yeah. but I still came away from there thinking, but wow, that's one of the best performances I've seen in years. And it really truly was against one of the best teams in Europe, oh, right? Yeah, you know. Yeah. But but that's how, but you think about it, Rich. Before, under when Wenger was going through his prime, and even before that, even when we were playing under George Graham. If I went to the game before I watched the game on TV, if we if we even drew, I'd be upset. See, my expectations are so much higher because even if we drew, I'd be walking away, you know, with a face like a smacked ass. Mm. Now it's like, oh well, we lost, but the performance was great. What a difference in our yeah. even in the fans' yeah. mentality about yeah. our expectations. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Rich, that is curtains for our club. If that's the way it's going, it's curtains. We can't be like this. But that is the way it's going, isn't it? And it's almost like if you, if you display any kind of um, realism about the situation, which is basically that the club are underachieving, Arteta is, is a is a is an inexperienced manager that's struggling in a big job. That half of the players aren't good enough for Arsenal, and that's just being realistic. That's not being negative. That's not being no. um, you know putting 
saying bad things about people. That's just being realistic on where we are at the moment. And I, and I, there's nothing wrong with having that realism, right? And everybody should be allowed to feel like that and express that feeling without being called all these names, oh, negative or I'll tear out or whatever it is, right? Because yeah. that's wrong. And I think if you if you make those points in the right way, some people don't. We've seen certain YouTube channels, of for course. example, in the past, of maybe express those opinions in the wrong way. And maybe that's where that comes from because everybody assumes that if you if you're against or, or you you can see what's wrong with certain aspects of the, the club, that that's what you are. You're a, you're a, a relic of, of that channel sort of mm. thing. Because that's what mm. they were like. But no, you, nobody has to is expressing those feelings like that. It's, no. it's right, and I think I think it's the right thing. If we all accept mediocrity, we're just going to yeah. have to part with mediocrity forever. The I only way yeah. things will change is if we demand more. And I feel as a, as an Arsenal fan that's seen as we said before, seeing so many great memories and moments at the club, some bad moments as well, but even the bad yeah, moments too bad in, in history. Yeah. So, you know, I think that for me, I think as an Arsenal fan, I demand more from this club than what we've got over the last certainly five, to t even to 10 years. Totally I demand more from the club. And if, and if that makes me delusional or if that makes me negative fan or if that, that makes me not rich. a fan, I don't really care. But to me, Arsenal are better as a club than what they're giving us. And we yeah. deserve more as a fan base. And this is what we, I don't know, that, that shouldn't be, it shouldn't be um, acceptable to accept this mediocrity that we've got ourselves into. And it's no good saying, yeah. oh, Arteta, I mean, Arteta may well be, he may well prove to be a fantastic coach, right? And maybe to a certain degree, you can see he's a good coach now. And he may well develop into a really good coach, right? And that's fine. But at this moment in time, if Arsenal want to progress, we need better. We need someone who's got the experience, who can deal with, who can deal with these personalities, who can man-manage players better, who's a little bit more flexible, who knows what it takes to be successful, who's a winner. Arteta's not a winner. What's he won in his career? He won one FA Cup. One FA Cup with us. He won. He did. He would not win the league maybe with Rangers in Scotland. But let's face it, mm. at that time, anybody could have won the league at Rangers. You know. So um, he's hardly won it. He's not. He's not a winner. He's not got that winning mentality. You know. And there's. Other managers out there, people say, who could we get? Who could we get? Well, we're Arsenal. We should be able to get anybody because we're Arsenal. Yeah, true. Yeah. You know, if Arsenal come in... We've got that, to pay for it, Rich. That's the problem. Well, yeah. But, the money. In, but this is this is the issue, you see. And because now people are accepting that, oh, well, who can we get? We can't get a top manager. Why? We're yeah, Arsenal. So, yeah. We should be able yeah. to get anybody. We've got Herbert it's Chapman, who had won, won the league in the middle of winning the league three seasons in a row with Huddersfield. We got him in nineteen twenty-five, mm. right? The best mm. manager there was. We got the best manager because we wanted to be the best team. The best team. Yeah. And if we want to become the best team again, that's what we've got to start having that mentality. Don't care what it costs, don't care what we need, go and get the best. Man City yeah. got the best. They've been successful. Chelsea previously had got the best. They were successful. Successful. We had the best for a little for a little while. We enjoyed a lot of success. And we haven't had that mentality since. Because yeah. as soon as David Dean went. As we said before, like 2007, the downfall started. I mean, mm. you went back about the stadium, actually. And I, I don't believe we were misled. I think at that time, I think it was 2000 when the, the idea was first put forward, 99, 2000 kind of time. You know, we were starting to become really successful under Wenger. You know, season ticket waiting list was shooting up because people desperately wanted to see the games. Yeah, yeah, yeah have their money. Man City didn't have their money. Football was a little bit different. And I think that the, at the time, Arsenal thought 
you know, if we want to go to forget Man United, forget the Premier League, let's look more European wide. You know, you've got clubs like Barcelona, massive clubs, Bayern Munich. And the only way that we could at that time, if we, if we want to compete with them, we need to be able to get 60, 70,000 fans in the stadium every week because the, the demand's there. And if we want the clubs to move forward, and I think that's what they genuinely believed in 2000 or at that time when they were looking at the stadium, I think. You know, football was a lot different then. In those intervening few years between us agreeing to move, getting the stadium built and moving in, the whole football landscape changed in those five or six years. If we'd waited, if we'd hung on a bit longer, or if we'd done it 10 years earlier, when all the seat, all seat of stadiums come, if we thought, actually, let's not redevelop Highbury because we can't really extend it too much. Let's build a new stadium then. Then I think it would have been totally different. The, the, it was the mm. timing, unfortunately, the time of it, you know, we moved in 2006. Obviously, the stadium was been with two years, three years being built. In that time, Chelsea got their investment. Suddenly, it went from a top two of Arsenal. Yes, three. that's true. Yes. Then yes. a few years later, Man City, 2008, Man City get their money. It's unlucky then. It was the timing was unfortunate. We won't yeah. ever know whether or not it would have made any difference. But the football landscape from 2000, when the idea was first put out. You know, when we played in Champions League games at Wembley, that's what kind of convinced mm. everybody. We sold mm. out Wembley for Champions League group games. And I think it did. The demand did yeah. out. And that was 99, wasn't it? 98, 99. And that mm. was when the idea first started going. At that time, you could see the vision. You could see it and it made sense. But the time 2006 came around and beyond that, it didn't make sense anymore because we, could, yeah. we couldn't then compete with these other clubs that are coming with all their money. And suddenly money. Chelsea, Man City, we'd, so instead of being Arsenal, Man United, we, instead of competing for the top two, we were then competing for the top four because two four. other teams came in with money. And then obviously time went by, we wasn't maybe winning enough trophies. We were having to sell our players because of a stadium. We couldn't maintain that level. And somehow Arsenal yeah. kept yeah. getting us in the top four to keep that money coming in. If he'd failed in 2008, 2009, around that time, if we didn't get in the Champions League then, right, for whatever reason, then Arsenal Wenger would have gone and yeah, we would have had to start rebuilding him. But because he kept getting us in there, he kept getting that Champions League money, he kept ticking us over. That's what he was doing. It was ticking us over, ticking us mm. over, ticking us over. Then he suddenly started winning a couple of FA Cups again. He's thinking, oh, you know, a bit more money comes in, uh, a bit more publicity for the club. We won trophies, this, that, the other. A few more players maybe want to join. We, we bought Erzil, we bought Sanchez. You know, the last two, they're the last two, for me, really big, proper players that we bought. Big, Bambi, they were. Yeah. Bamiyang, to a degree. I know he's a bit older, but he was a top player. We bought him. So, But that was our last kind of, um, the last Ferrari. players. Yeah. And then since then, it's like, okay, that didn't work. That didn't work. So, you know, oh. and we find ourselves now in 2022 and it's like, what's it, 18 years since we last won the league. 18 years. That doesn't seem 18 years ago, does it? Does that seem it's like 18 years? We're going back to that film fever. 18 years, 18 years. I know, yeah. Years. But it doesn't feel like that, does it? It doesn't no. feel like that. And I, I don't know but why. But it felt like that when, but it did feel like that for me. I mean, all right, okay. I didn't really start recognising football as a game. I think until the late seventies, anyway. Um, mm. I mean, I, I had had my Arsenal scarf on in nineteen seventy five. I was only five years old, so I couldn't remember the the seventy one yeah. year anyway. Um, but when when we won the league in that famous uh, eighty nine, you know, championship decider, if you like, um, you know, that felt like a long time. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm younger, but it felt like a really long time. I thought, Jesus, it's been eighteen years that Arsenal haven't won the league, but we've done it now. And we've done it in such amazing fashion. But you're right, this time, it doesn't feel like that. It really does not feel, but it is, isn't it? It's the same 
period. And to be honest, if it if it felt like that, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel that I reckon we could get this title in a probably year or two years or even three years time, you'd feel comforted by that. But as it stands, I mean, look what's happened in this transfer window. As you were saying earlier, Rich, there is no, no ambition whatsoever. And it just feels like, well, are we going to have to wait another 10 years or another 18 years, maybe? It's just looking so dull, isn't it? And again, I'm not, I'm quite, I don't know, I mean, if you know, but on Twitter and even on the podcast I do, I'm always very positive. I try and be positive. I always try and think, no, there's always that hope. You know, I, I don't know about you, Rich, but when um, we used to play and we were doing quite well and we were successful, even if we were losing a game, there was also that inner hope that, no, no, we're going to turn this around, yeah. even if it's yeah, the last yeah. six, seven yeah. minutes. Yeah. I haven't had that feeling for years. I haven't had it for so long. It's like, it's like we're talking about this, this mentality of mediocrity. You're watching the game and we're losing and you just think, yeah, we're going to lose. You, you just don't have that hope anymore. Anfield, I'll give you an example. Anfield's when we were 1-0 up and it, was, it was, went into injury time. I still had that glimmer of hope yeah. that, you know what, yeah, we could yeah. do this. Yeah, I and, did, when, yeah. and, when it, and it just happened in slow motion. Just watch yeah. Thomas get the ball and it just all... I don't know, time just went slow for me, you know, by the time he yeah. made impact with the ball and yeah. it went in. And so even then, but now, I don't hope. Burnley, I was there and I was with my, a couple of my mates. It's not going to happen because look at the way we're playing. What you said, he's more worried about the defence in the last few minutes than actually trying to go and get the winner on the other end of the pitch. Hmm. Uh, it's just <laughs> incredible. So you make, you make a point about that Anfield game, right? Now, that Anfield yeah. game, for me, George Graham was so tactically brilliant that night with the way he set the team up. And yes, it, it helped that Liverpool could still lose and still win the league. And I think that helped us because they didn't need to throw Push everybody themselves. forward. And even mm. when we went 1-0 up, they didn't need to throw people forward because a 1-0 defeat would have done them. And that maybe played into our hands a little bit. But, mm. you know, what, what we did really well in that game in those last five minutes or so when we knew we needed a goal, we didn't panic. We didn't just lump the long ball forward and hope. Well, maybe we did at the end when we got the goal a little bit. As Lee Dixon said, he just humped it up and hoped that Alan... <laughs> but we didn't... That's pretty good, him. though. Yeah. I mean, we seemed calm and we seemed as though yeah. everybody... I know the, the players have said afterwards that maybe, you know, that they, you know, Tony Adams was saying he was charging around the pitch and that, wasn't he? Because he was getting so hyped up and stuff like that. But overall, it seemed like a calmness from the players. We didn't like we were chasing. We just looked like we were in control. And obviously, mm. we finally got the opportunity at the end and, and we scored. And like you said, it was like the world went in slow motion for It did, it really did. And everybody thought he was going to miss and he didn't and he scored. And even every time I watch it back, I think he's going to miss and he still scores. So do I. <laughs> but, um, but, but, you know, but that was a team that was brilliantly coached. Yes, as brilliant players. But when you look at it, actually, Liverpool had better players than us individually. Oh, oh, easily, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan Hansen was a better player than Tony Adams. Much as we love Tony Adams, and he was fantastic. Mm. Alan Hansen was a much better footballer than Tony Adams. Mm. You know, they had John Barnes. I mean, John Barnes was better than any player that we had at that time. Individually, he was a fantastic player, wasn't he? Peter Beardsley, they had. He was a great player as well. You know, Steve McMahon in midfield. We didn't have players like that. But what we had was we had good players, but they were so well coached and they knew exactly what they were doing and they were able to play with freedom as well. Rowcastle, I mean, look at them runs Thomas made. Eventually, George Graham knocked that out of him and, and that's why he ended up leaving. Yes. It would allow that freedom to make them charges from midfield. He did it that, that season. He must have scored six or seven goals like that. Just Doing charging it that way. Midfield. 
You know, there's one against Tottenham, I remember, at Highbury when he just burst through and scored. There's one at Derby away earlier in that season when he ran through the halfway line. And he did that all the time, didn't he, Mickey Thomas? He was allowed to do it. Yeah. You know, whereas now, Mikel Arteta, if we had a player like that, he'd be saying, don't cross the halfway line. He's probably saying that to Thomas Partey, don't cross the halfway line. Yeah, because that's yeah, dangerous. absolutely. You lose the ball. If you're in the other half and you lose the ball, we're in trouble. So stay here. That's what he's telling them. Whereas, you know, George Graham allowed Mickey Thomas, certainly for those three or four years, just to go forward. To do that. It's all right because the defence behind you will, will sort you out if you lose mm. the ball. They'll cover for you. You know, Kevin Richardson mm. will come. He'll cover for you. Don't worry. But yeah. in a minute, it's not. Arteta doesn't let him do that. It's almost like he he doesn't believe in the players. They can cover for him. Maybe if we lose the ball, we're in trouble because no one can do the job behind them. And maybe that's. But it's a, I don't know. But maybe that's, that's, that's damning, Rich, in itself. If you don't trust the players to do certain things, what does that say about what does that, what what what? What does that give the player? What belief does that give the player about themselves? Even if, you know, we're all human at the end of the day, right, Rich? And there's every day, even if the most the most confident person out there, they're going to have those days where they feel a little bit, you know, they self-doubt. Self-doubt creeps into all of us, yeah? And if a player is going through that, and then you've got the manager barking, you go, no, no, we can't allow you to do that. Even if they're the most creative player in the world, and, and, and they can do things off the cuff without thinking and just do them like that instinctively, but your manager says, no, you're not allowed to do that. When they're already suffering, suffering a bit of self-doubt, if they're going through a bad patch, maybe of form. Hmm. What does that do to the mentality of the said player, Rich? You see, this is the thing. And, 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 I, and why, I, I think, I think, you're, I think we, you're right. This is why we, we, we go on bad runs under Arteta. We don't just have one bad game. We'll have two or three bad games because that's hmm. exactly what happens. The confidence goes out of players. And yeah. it's happened constantly, hasn't it? We don't just have one bad game and then we, we're good in the next game. We'll have one bad game. We'll have two bad games. We'll have three bad games. And then... We we'll, then we'll have a better game, maybe. But that tends to be how it goes. I mean, Mark Mark in the chat has got. Uh, he says there uh, the thing about being a fan in the eighties decade was you saw progress through the whole ten years. You saw the breakup of an established squad, some experiments, but then building of a young team. Yeah, you could see the plan, and you could see it happening in front of your eyes, couldn't you? Through that decade, mm. the start was a bit slow, but we got there in the end. Mark C says there it's still my favourite decade as a fan. Uh, but the eight to, to me, I like the eighties and the nineties together as sort of th those two decades together. The 80s was building towards it. Obviously, we got a few trophies at the end. And then, of course, the 90s was when it really came into fruition with all the trophies, when the most successful period in our history, probably in terms of what yeah. we won, you know, the yeah. double in 98 and the 91 yeah. title, the cup double, the European Cup Winners' Cup, and all those fantastic trophies in the 90s. But the 80s built up to that. So the 80s was important. I love the 80s. I love the terracing. I love that whole, um, the whole vibe of football in the 80s. Although... Football fans were treated like dogs, really, wasn't we? Lots they of were. Table, other. It was horrible, yeah. but the whole experience of football was raw, and and I just I did enjoy the eighties a lot. But I think my favourite decade would probably be the nineties, just because of the because it was the culmination of that. That was that that was it coming to fruition. All the nineteen eighties, all the yeah. struggles that we had at the beginning, pushing through at the end. George Graham turning around the club, and then really just it blossoming in the you know in the particularly the, the Second part of the night is when Arsene Wenger came. That great football that we yeah. played, double in '98, was just a fantastic season. It was. And, it was. And this, this, this is why now I think I feel like this because of all of those things that we saw, all those things that we experienced, and then even later on in the Invincible team, and you know, yeah. even later on in Wenger's years, right, even at the end when things weren't going too well, we still played some great football. We the still was still great. Yeah, we still had some great players. You know, Santi Cazorla and. 
we oh, you know, met Virgil when he was on his game and Sanchez and all these players, brilliant players that you you could go to a game and no matter how, how bad it was, you knew well Sanchez on the pitch, he could get us a goal. You know, match winner, that's the same. Somebody can turn it around. He could push a ball through and create something. And you had that hope. And you you're right, hope is is in a way it's a good thing, but it's a bad thing because you yeah, the more hope you have and then the less it gets fulfilled, the more frustrating it is, I suppose. But at the moment now there's no hope. Because we don't have match winners in the squad, as you said, really. We no. don't have match winners, do we? We've got some good players, but we're not match winners. And no. No. We've, we've sold half our squad. We've got... The thing was, I, I looked at this earlier, right? Since Arteta's been the manager, he's brought in, either on loan or permanently, 14 players, right? Five of them right. have already gone. Five wow. out of That's nearly half. Gosh. He's brought in. So is that bad judgment on him because he picked the wrong yeah. player? Didn't work out. Yeah. Or I, I don't know what it is. But five mm. have already gone. Some of them might come back because some of them are on loan. Um, Mari, for example. But he, he Willian's yeah. gone. It didn't work out. He bought him, got rid of him. Renarsson, the goalkeeper, bought him, got yeah. rid of him. Sabios, he was desperate to get him back. Didn't work out, got rid of him. You know, and all these other players that have left as well, the established players from the Wenger era, from the Emery era, you know, the Bellerins of this world and, you know, Ozil and people like that, yeah. you know. All these players that he got rid of, Kolasinac recently, Mkhitaryan who came in, he got rid of him quickly. You know, he even got rid of Martinez, didn't need a goalkeeper. Yes. Callum Sanders yes. recently, David Luiz, who could easily have done another year helping the young players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Saliba's, he got rid of him. That I'd never understand that one. That was God, no, and the list is endless, really, of all these players that he's got rid of. And he's not replaced them. And even players that he brought in himself, he's got rid of. So it's like, what's going on? I, I just, I don't know. It's an absolute mess. You know what, you, you, when you were saying right at the top of the show, I think even before, I, I think is it, it, it sounds like it's a money thing, 100%. It's a money thing. And that is damning again. And I keep using that word in this podcast today, but it is, it is, it's, it's true. It's, it's not good. It's not good for hope, Mark, hope going Mark, forward. Mark and Techno says, can't remember a start to a new year as bad no. as this. No, probably not. Not only in terms of the fact we haven't scored a goal since New Year's Day, it's February the 1st tomorrow. Unbelievable. But a window as well, you know, getting knocked out of two cups in very quick succession. I suppose that might have happened before, but um, but yeah, it's been it's been terrible. Um, Matt as well as in Tetra doing Matt. Thanks for tuning in, mate. Hello, Glad, to, glad to, to see you, as always. Um, Terry says, yeah, yeah, spot on, Mark. 80s, early 90s for me. Yeah, they were the great times, weren't they? They were the great times. You know, terraces and pay on the gate and all that kind of stuff. Not having to buy tickets. I loved it, Rich. You could just walk yeah. into up to the gate and pay and get in. None of this hoo-ha now. I can remember. It just I felt can... real. It just felt real yeah, rich. It did. It? I can remember so many times you'd, you'd say Arsenal be away at Liverpool or Everton or Man City or somewhere up north. And you'd wake up on a Saturday morning and you'd ring your mate and say, Do you fancy going to the game? So you'd go to King's Cross, you'd get a train, you'd pay for the train, you'd just go up to Liverpool or somewhere, just pay on the day and just walk in. It's just absolutely proof. You didn't have to plan it three months in advance. You'd have to book trains weeks in advance. Oh, don't. You know what I mean? You just went on the train in the morning, just got up and, and went. We did that so many times. York in the FA Cup and, you know, so many games like that. He's got, he's, let's just go to the game today. Let's just go. That's what we used to do. I remember, I mean, it probably wasn't on the day, but I remember a couple of days before, my mate would call me, and the office call, of course, in those days, no mobiles, so you had to call on the landline, yeah, 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 dial yeah. the numbers that yeah, way, yeah. and yeah, we'd yeah. phone each other. Do you fancy going on Saturday? I'm like, yeah, okay then. And that was it. And we would yeah. just go. And it was yeah. as simple as that. It, there was no logistical planning, nothing, nothing at all. And we, and by doing that, 
we had time to go to the pub before have a drink and you know just it, it was it made the whole day it was a whole day out and it was nice and whatever the result it was still a good day out you know and, and now it's just so it's so difficult to do anything you know now well, with covid you've got to have a covid pass and you've got to have it, this and you've got to have that and it's, it's like sanitized now that the whole experience of football and i don't just mean um now this has been going on for, for a long time really the whole atmosphere of football sanitized the whole thing is in them days, they used to run them football special trains, didn't they? Do you remember? Where they'd have two or three trains that would leave London to simply just for the football fans going to football. And you'd get fans of other clubs going to different games somewhere in the Midlands and you'd be going to Liverpool. You'd be on the same train as them. There'd be fights everywhere, you know. And But that was all part of the experience, wasn't it? And that was what football was about. Gotcha. And yeah. And I don't know. Now it's just like everything's got to be, you know, you have to book trains weeks in advance because they don't have a football special train. They, in fact, now because the kickoffs get moved to like a Monday night at eight o'clock, you can't get a train back yeah. anyway. You've got to drive. Right. You can't get a train even if you wanted to because you never get home. Mm. You've got to book a hotel and book time off work and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's just football fans now. I actually feel sorry for the younger fans actually that will never ever experience football the way that we could. And yes, it was dangerous at times, and sometimes you didn't know if you were going to get home in one piece from certain games you went to. It was, it, you know, you took your life in your hand, didn't you? I can remember a few games thinking, I don't know. I had to run on a few occasions, Rich. Yeah. How did we get home from that game, you know, in one piece kind of thing? And, but ultimately, I kind of feel sorry for, for younger fans that will never ever experience that because it was no, fantastic, true. wasn't it? It was just brilliant. It was so, so good. And it didn't even matter, actually, that Arsenal used to lose. I can remember going to Leicester once. We lost 3-0 to Leicester. That's right? what I was saying about the day out. It was just it's dreadful. The game was... Arsenal was dreadful. Like, this was in the yeah. last days of Terry Newell. It was terrible, terrible. But it didn't actually matter because you had a laugh. You know, and that was just what it was about. Whereas now, it's not even... All that's been taken away, hasn't the it? joy's but, been sapped out of us all. Yeah. And it's not just Arsenal fans. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm sure even Man City fans right now, they're enjoying all these great times, winning all these games. I'm sure even Man City fans preferred football in the 80s and in the 90s when they were getting relegated and all kinds of stuff and travelling to Gillingham and yeah. places in the league. I'm sure they had a better time then than they do now, I think. And it's not just Arsenal fans. It's not just because we're not doing as well now. We weren't doing very well then. It didn't matter because it mm. was the whole experience made up for it. And yes, it's different now. And we, we do expect, as we said, we do expect more success for Arsenal simply because... We've experienced it, and unfortunately, that is what happened. Mark C says they're phoning up Club Call to find out ticket prices. Yeah, and then when the ticket was, I can remember calling up Club. Do you remember what was that line called? Where you could, um, they used to do a match report. You could ring, you could ring the number at like five o'clock on a Saturday, and it would tell you, oh, you know, what the final score was, who scored the goals. If you weren't at the game, you could, if it was an away game, especially, and you wasn't there. I can remember coming home, we'd maybe been shopping with my parents or something like that. And you'd, 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 get ring, home, that you'd ring that number just to find out the score. And he would score the goals in that. And be excited because <laughs> we'd run home with one. Do you know what I mean? They're <laughs> brilliant days out. I mean, I know you're saying, oh, mate, I remember Teletext. I thought Teletext was brilliant. It was so charming. Yeah. You're sitting there waiting for the page to go from one to two to three. And then Arsenal yeah. come out, have we yeah. scored? Have we scored? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. It was from Teletext. I found out we scored. Yeah. We signed Burkham for seven and a half million. It was from Teletext. Yeah. Yeah, that's how no, I found that, out. It, it Do you remember them papers as well? You'd come back from, a, you'd be coming back from an away game, and you'd get off the train, and they sold a paper and all the football reports in already at like seven oh, o'clock yes. on, a, on a Saturday night. Do you remember yes, that? That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember you, you, we'd get to the wait, station. Wait. They sold them on the platform. The, the trainers stop at somewhere like Milton Keynes or somewhere, shot on the way back from Birmingham. How did they do that so quick? 
get a paper, you just buy it quickly, get it back on the train, and everyone will be reading the paper, you see all the other results and everything, and just That's get it on the train back. Just brilliant, brilliant. They got the press so quick, though. That was crazy, wasn't it? That I know, yeah, crazy. I never understood how they did it. It was like, hang on a minute, the game only finished half an hour ago, and they've got a whole paper. <laughs> it's like, brilliant, this. And they were out, and you could get them on the station platform. You just go and buy them. I think, I think we've just been, we've just turned, just in life general, uh, Rich, we've just turned, been turned into drones. So we've just become autonomous, not autonomous drones. That's what it is. And it's with yeah. life in general, to be honest. And it is sad. I think the charm of so many things and that human element has gone, has completely vanished. And you're right, the new generations are never going to experience it. It's just the way it is. It's a, it's a sad thing. But anyway, I'm going to have to make a move, I think, now, uh, Rich. So I, I just want to say yeah. thank you so much for, for having me on. Really appreciate it. Um, and uh, yeah, no, no, no. Thank you for you've always been asking me for a long time and I've never been able to do it for whatever reason. But no, thank you for having me. It's been an absolute honour and a pleasure to be on. So thank you so much. Um, so there. Oh. Thanks, Rich and Neil. Made some great points to stay at our club. Um, here we go. He's going to bed. Uh, he's, yeah, he's got <laughs> in the morning. And I'll be waking up thinking in the month of January. It'd be, it'd be February tomorrow, mate, so you'll be fine. So don't worry about that. <laughs> and Terry says, uh, Richard Talton and Neil are coming again. Um, like the three sets, three great guest. Yeah, you are a great guest. Oh, thanks. You definitely oh, want you back you. on again. Definitely, you know, we'll have to maybe um, look at getting you on in the future. As oh, well. bless you. What I do want to do, actually, and it's something I've been thinking about for the channel for a while, actually, is doing a, I, I was going to call it the sort of archive show, where basically doing a show looking back at maybe the 80s and 90s, certain seasons, certain players, that kind of thing, and maybe doing a show about that, maybe like once a week. And I think you'd be a perfect guest to come on that show because you know, <laughs> we go back a similar kind of, we're a similar age. We I go think back we're to, similar age, yeah. Yeah, yeah we go yeah. back a sort of similar similar times. You know, we were going to football at the same kind of times. And I'm sure, you know, you, you'll have similar memories to me and maybe different memories of the same experiences and yeah. stuff like that, which would be good. And yeah. I just think that'd be a good show, actually. I've been thinking about doing it. I was going to do it at the start of this season, but other sort of one or two other things happened and I've, when am I going to fit it into sure. the schedule and stuff like that? But it is something I'm still definitely thinking about doing. Okay. Oh. Doing something like that. You know, we could maybe look at trying to set something up, you know, at some point, because I definitely want to do it. You know, hopefully this season, if we can. I know not a lot of time left now, really, I guess, but there's not going to be many games, so maybe we need to fill the time with something, don't we? <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about something we could, we could have a smile about, exactly. Exactly. I don't, yeah. many more. I don't think we'll get many smiles for the football at the moment. I don't think we will. Probably Sadly. not. But no, we'll have to. We'll have to definitely sort something for that because that, that could be pretty good. Um, definitely. But you know, it's, it's been great to have you on, and I say we'll have oh, to. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I, honestly, I can't thank you enough. And I, 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 yeah, it's been an honour. I've been watching your show for a long time, and yeah, thank you for allowing me to actually be on it. So yes. No, Big I mean, I know, I know you've been in the chats a lot, and you know we, we speak quite a lot as well outside. But it's great to have you on, and yeah, you're welcome. We have back to meet for time. a game. That's the only thing we haven't done. Now we've got to meet for a game. Yeah, we definitely will have to. Yeah, that would be that would be great as well. Then we can, then we can, then we can moan face to face. Exactly, <laughs> reminisce about the good old days. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's right, I'll, I'll I'll let you know which ones I'm going to go to if I can get to some more this season. Then we'll try and sort something out if possible. We'll do. Yeah, that, for sure. We'll definitely do that. Yeah, that would be great. Okay. Yeah, fantastic. Brilliant. No worries at all. all Thanks right. for coming on. We'll speak soon, mate. Yeah, take it easy. Definitely. Take care. All the best, Rich. Take care. Yeah, mate. Excellent. Yeah, that was Neil. Fantastic guest. Uh, brilliant to get him on the channel finally. Um, I say we'll definitely do some more stuff again. Terry says, cheers, Neil. Hope to see you soon. Yeah. Michael says there, great chats, top stuff. Um, and Terry there says, um, yes, Christy, cheers, Russ. And Russ is in the chat as well. 
How you doing, Russ? Um, Russ says, yeah, we had an excellent chance to win top four at club, has zero ambition. Yep, exactly. Zero ambition. And unfortunately, many of our fans seem to have zero ambition as well because they're quite happy with the current state of the club. Um, Mark says, yeah, now that we don't have FA Cup or League Cup still, but exactly. Now we don't have that. We might as well do some stuff on the 80s and 90s. I mean, you know, Mark, you'd be welcome to come on as well. You obviously got some good memories from, from the 1980s as well. The 1990s, maybe you'd be a good guest to have on that as well. Great show that could be, couldn't it? We'll get a few people on reminisce about the, the good old days of the intercity specials and all that kind of stuff and all that brilliant days that we had uh, at football. So that's that we can look at. Um, anyway, we, we got a little bit distracted. The transfer window did finish about half an hour ago and um, Arsenal didn't buy anybody. So there you go. Um, we sold, we got rid of lots of people and Aubameyang has officially been unveiled at Barcelona. So that's definitely been done. Um, that actually didn't get unveiled officially until after 11 o'clock. But anyway, um, uh, that, that's that one. Liverpool didn't get uh, Fabio Cavallo done in time, so they've lost out on that player, um, which is a shame for them, isn't it? Uh, there's been a few lower league stuff going on, but we're not really bothered about that. Um, so, yeah, the big news from transfer deadline day, Aubameyang is no longer an Arsenal player three years, no, four years after we actually bought him, because it was 2018, wasn't it? January 2018, we bought him um, from Dortmund, 56 million, and we just got rid of him on a free to Barcelona. He didn't quite get 100 goals, did he? Which was a little bit frustrating because he should have got 100 goals, really. Let's be honest. Uh, the last 18 months of his Arsenal career will not live long in the memory, but certainly those first 18 months or so, um, two years were, were absolutely brilliant. He had some great memories. I'll actually miss him um, a, a lot, his personality as well. So that's a shame that didn't work out. But good luck to Aubameyang. But that's the big news today that um, Aubameyang's gone. And uh, along with Obviously, Callum Chambers, who went earlier in the week as well. Kalazanash has gone as well. A lot of players out and um, not too many coming in. In fact, uh, none at all. Um, so there you go. But uh, anyway, we've got, we're going to have to wait till July. The window opens again. I'm sure we'll buy nobody as well. Mark says, yeah, good idea about the retro show. Exactly. Yeah, I think it'll be a great idea. Uh, you know, it's there's not there don't seem to be many fans left that seem to remember the 80s anymore in the 90s so it'd be nice to, to reminisce on that um neil says thanks so much for having me on and thanks for supporting the chat now thanks for coming on there was absolutely brilliant to, to have you on and look forward to obviously chatting again getting you back on and uh, definitely doing some more stuff in the future so that'll be really good so so yeah a very very frustrating transfer window uh, a really frustrating deadline day we wasn't really expecting much at 10 o'clock, if I'm totally honest. I just want to do this show for a laugh, really. And it was good to get Neil on and have a chat about some better times, maybe. Um, so, yeah, that's that then. No new signings for Arsenal in January. We've got a very threadbare squad. We've got no strikers. And we don't have much of a midfield either. And uh, we've got quite a few defenders. And half of them aren't very good. But we have got a decent goalkeeper. So that's one good thing. So maybe Ramsdale watching his video the other day and sticking that one in the top corner. Maybe he's the one who's going to score the goals for us now um, for the rest of the season because you don't hold out too much hope for too many of the others, do you? Um, so, yeah, the transfer window's finished and we are knackered, basically. Um, Terry says, yeah, Richard, great show, mate. Just wish you had some good news. To us. Yeah, I do as well. We've got no good news at all, I'm afraid. It's, um, there's no more good news to give you. There's no good news at all to give you. Um, so, yeah, it's done. The transfer window is done. And we will, um, yeah, it's done. And we're done, quite honestly. We're completely done. Um, tomorrow night, we've got a Tuesday clinic. It's going to be a, a, a transfer window special. Uh, going to have the normal panel on. We've got Dorsey on. We've got Melvin on. And we've got Adam on as well. We're going to be looking at the transfer window 
or looking back on it, um, obviously the players that's gone um, won't have any new signers to talk about, unfortunately. But we can talk about the direction that we think the club's going in uh, and a few other bits and pieces as well. So that'll be tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. So please join us for that. There's no midweek game this week, actually, for a change. The men or the women aren't playing. So there's no games this week. So after Tuesday, we probably won't be back until Friday for the Arsenal women's show. Uh, obviously, the usual panel on. We've got a couple of games to look back on big game of this coming weekend on Saturday for the women against Manchester United at home in the WSL. So that'll be a, another game we'll be covering on the channel as well. Kickoffs at half past 12. So we'll go live about quarter past 20 past 12. Um, and the usual stuff there, match commentary, etc. Hopefully you guys will join me for that as well. Um, and then we will be looking ahead, of course, to a really, really big game for the Arsenal women next Friday against Chelsea. The title decider in many ways probably will be and before that, of course, the men are back in action at Wolves, aren't they? So loads of stuff coming up after that. This week's a quiet week. So we will um, have a, you know, tomorrow we'll be in with the guys going over the transfers and and then we'll have a few days off until the weekend. Russ, see you tomorrow, Richard. Yeah, see you tomorrow, mate. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to everybody else as well. You guys in the chat there, some great comments. Great to have you all involved. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Give it a like if you have. And if I know most of you guys in the chat are probably already subscribed. I mean, if you haven't, please subscribe as well and i'll see you tomorrow at eight o'clock for the tuesday clinic um quite a lot of therapy we're going to need after this transfer win window it's been quite depressing hasn't it but um you know there was a song once wasn't there things can only get better well they certainly can't get much worse can they so let's hope that they do get better mark says a yeah, good show thanks for thanks for tuning in mate hopefully see you tomorrow if you're around for the tuesday clinic um and we'll see you very we'll see you very soon. I'll say we're back at eight o'clock tomorrow evening for the get the guys in to over the fat of this transfer window and uh very disappointing it's been and find out where it leaves us really for the rest of the season and, and beyond. Very, very sad times at the moment for Arsenal. Not very good, is it? But you know, sometimes you've got to reach the bottom to get back up again, and maybe that's what we're doing at the moment, but we'll see. Um, we'll see you tomorrow for the Tuesday Clinic. Please stay tuned for that. Give it a like, share and subscribe. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a very disappointing transfer deadline day, a very disappointing transfer window. Arsenal, again, I do repeat, have bought absolutely nobody. And we head into the rest of the season with a Fredbear squad, no strikers and very, very... I don't know what to say, really. Um, we'll talk about it tomorrow properly in the clinic, but stay tuned for that. In the meantime, as always, come on, you guys. Come on, guys. Let's try and enjoy the rest of the season if we can, but it's going to be it's going to be tough. But stay tuned to the channel. There's loads to enjoy on the channel starting tomorrow. See you later, guys. Take it easy. Thanks for watching.